so much of the talk about identity, especially like queer identity, is is about like the the struggle and the the pain. But I do want to really highlight like all the the happiness, and it's like there's I see so much like looking in the grand scheme of things, it's just like oh my gosh, there's like most of my life has been spent like you know in this terrible relationship with my my body but like there have just been some wonderful moments like discovering how much i like sequins and massive high heels and yeah i'm putting together an outfit right now for a, a wedding in june and it's just completely impractical and and wonderful and <laughs> just makes me happy to be <laughs> This is Keep the Mess, Messy Conversations with Messy People, where we have conversations about how we relate to our bodies and go down whatever rabbit holes we find. I started this podcast because I'm a bit obsessed with this topic. I struggle with embodiment myself and want to learn about how other people live in and out of their bodies. I figured if I'm interested in these things, chances are that others are also interested. So welcome, fellow obsessives. In this episode, I speak with my friend Dre. Talking with Dre was both delightful and moving. I most definitely cried during this interview and then again while editing, which was in large part due to the power of poetry. In this episode, Dre talks about his struggles with his body and mental health, and yet also his strong belief in the importance of happiness, playfulness, self-love, and of course, poetry. Content warnings for talk about self-harm, spiritual abuse, and a brief description of top surgery. And lastly, I want to remind people that just because I have someone on this podcast doesn't mean I agree with them on all matters, or even many. These episodes are not about facts or saying things perfectly. They are people's stories, their experiences, their processing. Connecting and communicating with ourselves and each other is a messy affair, so I ask for a listening ear and some grace. All right, here is my interview with Dre. So... The first question is, how do we know each other? And I love this story. <laughs> was was there a story that went with this? I'll, I oh, I, I I mean, you'll start, and then I'll I'll fill in anything okay. that I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What I mean, we, you, me, and Cloud actually um, mm-hmm. went to the same college together. And I started going to a prayer group get together thing that you and a lot of other people we knew were in. I think it was a yeah mutual friend who uh, invited me, and yeah, I got to know the the group. <laughs> so what I remember of meeting you is mm-hmm. earlier than that. So when I met you. You were eating a brain. <laughs> Let's not forget that I met you when you were a zombie. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, I kind of, yeah, I was maybe more memorable than <laughs> other people were that night. But yeah, that was that was for Halloween. Yeah, I had the giant gummy brain, and I was a zombie. <laughs> 
so you and I are both missionary kids. We are, yes. That is something kind of unique that we, we have in common there. I, I find that very fun how we have a lot of similarities, including mm. that. Yeah. And, and so I remember meeting you at a missionary kid gathering that was done by people connected with our college. And so I remember meeting you and you were, you know, I think made up to be a zombie or like you were wearing stuff. Disheveled clothes, yeah. Disheveled clothes. And you were holding this massive (laughs) gelatinous brain and just sort of eating it It mindlessly. Mm -hmm. It it did not taste good. It tasted like 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 rubber and wax but you know it's it's technically edible and you're holding it so you're just slowly eating it through the night (laughs) so yeah that was a very very memorable (laughs) and and then then i met you in the prayer group it was our official introduction (laughs) official introduction and yeah, I think I've mostly been connected to you through Cloud. Yes. Um, Cloud and I are married, actually. So, mm-hmm. um, yes. <laughs> but you, you two roomed together when you went on your trip to China. Yeah, um... We were both taking Chinese and studied abroad in Beijing and, yeah, roomed together. Um, They watched a lot of um, Doctor Who and knit a bunch. And I watched YouTube on my little VPN because you aren't allowed to get YouTube normally in China. And, yeah. And also won a Baijo drinking contest. <laughs> yes. I was like 19 or 20 at the time, so couldn't legally drink in the States, but the drinking age was 18 in China. So there was another friend of ours who was talking all this smack about how he could outdrink anyone. And I was like, you know, I've had some drinks. Like, they didn't affect me. And so we we, we had a, a full-on contest, and I literally drank him under the table. Like, he <laughs> tapped out and fell under the table and, like, puked. And <laughs> I went uh, back to the our, our room that we shared, and then I puked during the night instead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm just going to tell the listeners, Baijo is a rather awful uh, yeah. Chinese liquor. Mm-hmm. It is a very cheap, very strong Chinese liquor. Smells, tastes like rubbing alcohol. So, <laughs> yes, it's... Um, uh, you, you drink it to get drunk, not to enjoy it. And I'll say that meeting you, like seeing you, I wouldn't think this person could totally win a drinking contest. <laughs> no, I unfortunately I've I've lost it a little bit um, in the years, but yeah, especially back then, it was just very much like I don't, I I didn't like feeling like losing control of. Um, 
my my capability so i just i would fight it the whole time so it just it kept me, it kept me very <laughs> focused and like even if, as i was stumbling over my words cuz my body's like you know feeling it like my mind never really let go of that laser focus of like i have to be in control <laughs> i i think that you sort of have a secret identity like mild mannered dre and then and then you're this wild person. I I like to I like to surprise people, especially like at work, just dropping little little hints here and there. Like, oh, I speak Chinese. Oh, I'm a missionary kid. Yeah, I grew up in in Africa. Like, <laughs> can you remind me which part of Africa? Uh, yeah, Guinea. Uh, it's West Africa. So yeah, right on the border of um, the Atl- Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Okay. And you you moved to the states in middle school? school? Um the summer before I started freshman year of high school. So okay. there was kind of a clean cutoff for me between like, you know, being a kid and being a a teenager. It was mm. moving back to America. Mm. Yeah, I could ask questions just about that. Um <laughs> But I'll move on to the second question, which is, could you introduce yourself in the way that you would like to be introduced or what people, what you would like people to know about you? Yeah. My name is Dre. I am a non-binary person, but I use he, him pronouns. Those are what make me happiest. Um, I dress, I tend to dress more, more feminine, more femme, and I don't take like hormones or testosterone or anything. So uh, you likely wouldn't notice it looking at me, but yeah, I, that's just what I am. And it took me a long time to realize like that I'm allowed to just do that and Mm -hmm. pronouns are just a thing. And it's like, oh, well, like I didn't realize, you know, I used female pronouns. I was sign female at birth. Um, and then I started using uh, gender neutral because I was like, oh, those don't feel bad. Like, it, they feel mm-hmm. neutral. Like, it's supposed to be. And then I realized, like, he, mm-hmm. him is what actually made me happy. And I was like, oh, gender can be like a thing that makes you happy. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're a... just filled with delightful gender fuckery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I, I find delightful, uh, confusing sometimes, but delightful. I I want people to just be as confused about me as I am about me. <laughs> um, you know, so sometimes I feel, not all the time, but sometimes I feel like I would like it if someone saw me and they weren't sure what gender I was. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a similar feeling of like, I, like, I want you to be confused and I, I want you to, and I think it is because of my own sort of confusion, a little less so about my gender, but like my confusion with the world mm-hmm. and my place in the world. So I really resonate with that and I know that there are people out there who would take that and 
sort of use it as a weapon against us. But, you know, I can't really live in fear of people using things against me. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, they'll use you fitting into a mold as a weapon too, just in the, the different direction. You're There's no being the perfect queer person. <laughs> yeah, and there can be... Uh, well, there there certainly is in some circles some some trans folk who do feel a bit uh, threatened by more sort of ambiguous uh, trans people or trans people who don't fit the mold. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not because they're awful people. It's because there is fear that people are be going to be like, oh, well, wait a minute. I, that, that is what I think people think of when they think of trans people and it's bad and it, and I want to be viewed as a good trans person who's worked right. really hard to fit in the system. And, and that, like, I've certainly had my, my feelings of like, seeing a trans person feeling this sort of cringe response and then recognizing, yeah. oh no, like I'm, I'm putting on that person my own stuff, like my mm-hmm. own problems with my own gender and the way that I fit or don't fit into the world. Yeah. It's being non-binary. It's about being outside of the box, but it turns out like, our brains are like hardwired to have boxes. So it's like, great, there are these, these other boxes here too. Mm. Um, and I, I like that there, there are them and it's definitely helped me to, you know, I don't like the, the saying like, you know, gender is, is fake. Like, you know, you know what, whatever, like, you know, it doesn't mean anything mm. because I don't know, using he, him pronouns and, you know, a lot of, people get gender euphoria from like you know feeling you know really really tied to something but you know it's it's a it's boxes are like tools where it's like well use them as long as they're useful but like don't make you know fitting into the the box Mm. be um you know the the be all end all don't don't get trapped by them yeah Mm -hmm. Mm. are there other things that you think are important uh, to to introducing yourself before we move on, or um, you see, well, um, being raised a missionary kid, obviously was raised uh, Christian, um, raised kind of fundamentalist Christian, mm. um, but didn't realized that I was I thought we were we were the really progressive Christians because the the one our main like sponsor church was like very much um can't listen to rock music rock music is a sin because like there's drums in it and anything with a beat is is not Mm -hmm. godly and like you know women have to wear skirts and and things like that so um yeah, and then I went to a, a Christian high school, like a small Christian high school, after being homeschooled in Guinea, and um, went to a college that we uh, attended. And now I am an atheist, so a bit of a, a, a about face there. 
but mm. yeah, it was kind of just a part of discovering who I am and what I, you know, believe about the world. Mm. Yeah, you you have been on many journeys. <sighs> yes, yes. <laughs> I I like to say I've <laughs> I've tried out all the pronouns and I I threaten people that like I, I just wait till I start getting into like the neo pronouns like Zezer and like Fafer <laughs> I'm just like you're lucky. <laughs> mm. I I find it interesting that you use the word threaten. <laughs> I can I can feel that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that, but I'm also just phenomenally bad at correcting people when they misgender me, so. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I think... Oh, man, I... There's so many feelings I have about that. Um, you know, there's going to be some people who just won't use your pronouns, right? And And the way that I interact with that is that I, I'm not going to correct someone if they don't want to use my pronouns. Um, that's yeah. my choice. Uh, people make other choices. Um, but I, I will correct someone if I know that they want to. Right. Yeah. They've expressed the intention to. Yeah. Is, uh, what, what is your, uh, method? <laughs> Uh, well, in a, uh, I am aspiring to be the person like that who who can do that and like, hey, if you aren't gonna get my pronouns right and you don't intend to, like, all right, we're just probably gonna go our separate ways then. Um, mm. But yeah, I very much struggle with like, you know, disrupting other people's comfort by mm -hmm. most of the people are, are are willing to to give it a shot and and try um but like having them use it just especially if i'm the first person in their life mm -hmm. who's looks different than the the pronouns they'd give me it's hard to do and yeah just breaking up the conversation to be like oh you you, you got that wrong um mm -hmm. i <laughs> really struggle with yeah it's it's tough and i i pick my battles like if if i'm tired like <laughs> i'm not gonna do yeah. it uh, uh and you know if it's someone that i see in a store that i'm not gonna be back at or you know mm -hmm. th there's some places that i will use that energy and some places that i won't and yeah, but I think most of the people, most of the people who want to use my pronouns are pretty good about it. And then some other people I'm like, I know this, this is just harder for them, but um, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole bag of worms. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to move on from that one. It might come up again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then sort of main questions is how do you relate to your body what of your life experiences and identities you may have how have that how has that affected the way that you connect or disconnect from your body yes 
Um, yeah, I, I know, like, ever since you brought up, like, you know, potentially having me on, I've been thinking about how I'd <laughs> answer this or where I'd start. And it's hard because, um, I, I really felt very disconnected from my physical body so much of my life. Like I'm, I very much value, like I'm a, I'm a writer. I value like, you know, mm. storytelling and my creativity. And I was always like the, the A plus student. So I had the brains and uh, things like that. Um, yeah. As a kid, my body was just like a, a vessel to, you know, get me to go places where, you know, do fun things and, we would play races in um in Guinea and it was always the the same the same format our our one neighbor would always be first i would always be second and then uh the siblings would always like but we we do it every every day mm-hmm. um and yeah when i did sort of start noticing my body like you know starting to go through puberty and yeah, we came back to the States just as um, I was entering high school. So I was like going on 15 mm-hmm. and it was all just really like negative body image stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Just seeing like, oh, like this is the way bodies like mine should look and I don't match that. And I have no real way to express myself. I found like later in life, my fashion is a really important part of how I express myself. And when you're, you know, a kid and don't have super well to do parents, you kind of just get the the stuff that's on clearance at Kohl's and, you know, it it fits and you're going through growth spurs anyway, so you're not going to get too attached to your your clothing. Um Yeah. And in college, then it was kind of a more actively destructive relationship with my body where Mm. I uh, really started self-harming quite a bit. Mm. And yeah, that's still been an off and on battle for me. Mm. But yeah, it's kind of like now that I'm out of college, I've got... um, going to a good therapist regularly that I'm I'm starting to look take time to check in with my body and I've always been like you know why don't I notice like you know what I'm feeling or um <laughs> if I'm stressed or how I feel until after the fact and I'm realizing like caring about my physical body and checking in with that is a important and kind of you know attainable first step (laughs) Mm. so yeah very much in the process of figuring out what that means kind of lost the thread of where i was going with that but (laughs) did you is there anything that stuck out that you wanted to Mm. to dig into yeah i mean i just you know i certainly relate to that and I think 
Mm-hmm. When I, you know, hear you talking about the difficulty that you have with connecting with your, um, I'm going to guess both, both feelings and body sensation. Are you talking about emotional feelings or are you talking about body sensation specifically? Um, mostly emotional feelings. Okay. Yeah. Um, of not feeling connected to that, just feeling sadness Mm, (laughs) and, and also just of like, oh yeah, like I know, I know how it feels to have great difficulty in figuring out what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's too, it's so much of the talk about identity, especially like queer identity is, is about like the, the struggle and the, the pain, but I do want to really highlight like all the, the happiness and it's like, there's I see so much like looking in the grand scheme of things like with that question it's just like oh my gosh there's like most of my life has been spent like you know in this terrible relationship with my my body but like there have just been some wonderful moments like discovering how much I like sequins and Hmm. massive high heels and yeah I'm putting together an outfit right now for a, a wedding in June and it's just completely impractical and, and wonderful and <laughs> just I, makes me happy to be. <laughs> I think once, uh, I don't know if they want me saying this, but I think once your spouse said about you that you go back and forth between dressing like a Pokemon and like <laughs> and like a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I take offense to that. I am a Pokemon hooker. Okay. <laughs> I can be both at once. There we go. You are the non-binary version of Pokemon hooker. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, I came to their place. I was wearing like, you know, boots and fishnets and short shorts and I was uh, coming around. They see like glance and see someone out the window and they're just like, who is the- Oh, that's right. <laughs> that was mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember because <clears throat> I, I don't think I'd really seen you since college when you were sort of much more mild-mannered. And, yes. <laughs> uh, and then seeing, you know, meeting you and being like, what, what is going on? <laughs> you know what I've realized is if you're – if you're just like walking around like you know that's normal life um people aren't gonna call you on it they're just gonna accept it Mm. um when i stop shaving like i'm like Mm. oh i have like leg hair and i have armpit hair now like i feel kind of self-conscious about this and i realize like people may have their their thoughts about this but i've it's been eight or seven or eight years now and it's like Mm -hmm. no one's really like maybe they Mm -hmm. talk about it behind my back but no one (laughs) says anything and I'm just like oh it's you know (laughs) I as someone who cares 
way too much what other people think and, you know, making sure they, like, um, you know, are comfortable. It's really <laughs> kind of freeing. <laughs> I know for me, those were sort of initial, there were some steps towards becoming more masculine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like women can't do that. Cause I, I have uh, female friends who, or, you know, women friends who don't shave their legs and don't shave their armpits. <clears throat> but for me, they were sort of baby steps mm, in doing yeah. that. And I, I did think people would care a lot, but they didn't really. And I, I guess I had this sort of excuse of pain <clears throat> because my skin's pretty sensitive. And so I noticed okay. that I was in quite a bit of pain whenever I did shave. And mm. I'm it, they make me so happy now. Like, because now when I, when you go over the hair of your legs, it mm-hmm. feels really cool. Like the sensation. Yes, it doesn't know. feel wiry and yeah. Uh, well, I meant my leg feels cool. Like it's sort oh, of this like... Okay. Because you can sense, just because you're you're moving over the leg hair, you can feel mm. something without directly touching your leg, and yeah, I think it feels really cool. And I was like, oh, like I never thought um, the pleasure of not shaving. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned like not having like physical sensation. Like I imagine that kind of have having that back kind of felt very a little therapeutic Mm, yeah I think that I've spent quite a bit of my life at least for block like blocks of time not really having sensation or or noticing the sensation Mm -hmm. and so as I connect more with my body sometimes it's really difficult and it's painful and I notice oh that's painful there's a reason I wasn't paying attention to that Mm, yeah. But it also opens up pleasure and neutral, you know, <laughs> neutral experiences. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love what you said about just, you know, going around and sort of owning it, owning your look. Mm-hmm. I know for me, I think I, I really used to care a lot more about how other people looked at me or fitting in mm-hmm. around and when the pandemic hit, I had just bought a bunch of men's clothes. Okay. Uh, I'd gotten a binder and so I could fit into these shirts. And so leading to me now having like this closet full of floral, bright, like sort of bold colors. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. And I, I live in a place where people don't dress up. Um, that's not really a big thing, but I guess if you're a gay man, I think you're kind of allowed to. So I guess I just sort of get that leave. Yeah, I just sort of go go after that. But it's it's certainly freeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I realize podcast listeners don't realize this, but I um, I've got dyed hair too. So I've been dyeing my hair for years now. It's really washed out right now. I'm planning on doing it again soon, and. Really what stopped me for the longest time was like worrying about like, ooh, job interviews, like they're gonna, you know, I'm gonna, it's gonna hurt my chances if it's, if I look, you know, different. And then I started doing it and 
applied to different jobs and it turned out like hey if anything i stood out it's like oh yeah that 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 one with the purple hair <laughs> yeah you are you are very good at coloring hair in these really cool ways of like swirling different colors together <clears throat> i know that if i ever get my hair colored i want you to do it i will fly to you <laughs> Uh, because you've done like you've done like this sort of fall colors red orange and and yellow you've done sea colors of you know blue and green and purple I think as well and like so I think you've done pretty phenomenal work there that makes you look awesome and probably makes you feel great too (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it's when you sort of rinse the dye out of your hair and you just like wait for it to dry. I do my eyebrows as well. It took me a long time to like work up to, to doing my eyebrows. But mm. yeah, I. <laughs> it's really oh, those first couple days when it's like the brightest like before you've showered or anything. It just it's so lovely. And you for, forget like, <laughs> like, oh, people are like really people react to that more than, than anything else for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Oh my gosh. The kids will like lean out of their the windows when the cars are dropping by like, I love your hair. It's just I live for it. <laughs> yeah. And their poor mothers who are just like, please don't give them ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I think I get a similar response to my bow ties. People like my bow ties. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They are great. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. I like that you've not shied away from batching two different patterns. I think that's overrated that you can only have one pattern. Oh, it it took a lot of work for me to do that because I I had gotten very sort of stuck in what one of my parents said when I was young. And Mm. I just sort of took that and stayed with it for a long time. And I, I actually purposely, it was almost like exposure therapy. I remember being like, okay, I can do this. I can put two patterns against each other, and mm-hmm. actually it looks good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Pink and red was always something growing. Like, you weren't allowed to do, like, pink and red or, like, two different shades of the same color. And now I'm just like, well, why not? <laughs> mm. Do what I want. Mm. Yeah, I think... I'm just noting the way both of us, but I'll focus on you, how you use the way that you look on your outside to affect the way that you feel on the inside. Yes, definitely. It's, yeah, thinking about how I want to be for me and I... I could do a lot of things to try to look more masculine to so people sort of see me that way. But I ultimately I just want to do, you know, what makes me feel feel happy. Um mm. you know some bleh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel more masculine or I mean you don't have to like 
quantify and, and say, well, I feel more this than that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you, you use masculine pronouns, you dress femme, you identify as non-binary, um, which means you're having a whole lot of fun. I guess, what does that mean for you? Like, um, obviously, happiness is something that you've mentioned a few times, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, I don't feel masculine, really, uh, the same way I don't really feel womanly when I put on a skirt or heels or something, um, it's, I feel gender it's like those are all like sort of signifiers of gender and i've chosen the like the the different signifiers that i've liked that express sort of that idea for me mm. and kind of like you think non-binary as sort of like you know it's apart from from anything that's too far on one end or the other it's sort of it's you know you don't look like a male or female you it's a lot of, if you look up non-binary clothing, it's a lot of like tans and browns and grays. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't have to be. It's it's just, yeah, it's this delightful kind of mess that's just different for everybody. Mm-hmm. I was wondering... Because I know you, along with your spouse, enjoy playing D&D. Yes. <laughs> and I'm wondering if you're like the many trans folk who played around with gender in <laughs> D&D first. Like, I, I, I certainly did some of that. I, I know you did. I yeah. played D&D with you. <laughs> right, that's right. But this was like before, like... This was back in, in college, yeah. And I think just role-playing games in general, not not just mm-hmm. indie, but yeah. I, I've i really played the whole gamut of, of characters. These days I'm I'm the dungeon master, so mm-hmm. I'm the one controlling everyone who isn't the, the, the player characters. Um, but yeah, my, my first ever D&D character, she was a um, dragon folk uh ranger and her name was marshmallow goodberry and she was three a 300 pound like swamp dragon absolute disaster <laughs> of course you would name her marshmallow goodberry goodberry <laughs> yep and i played clove who was like a uptight little sorcerer guy and um i've played like I played like a non-binary um, robot druid. Um, yeah. And oh, I have so much fun as, as the dungeon master being um, just messing with <laughs> uh, different characters and all their weird um, idiosyncrasies and stuff. And like the, this, the, the Crescent Queen um, was yeah, the the waning crescent queen who was definitely a dude but still was a queen. Um mm. and yeah, I 
it's it's nice when you kind of you have a lot a lot of different things you can be instead of committing to like okay I have this one character who I'm gonna play until this campaign wraps up or 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 peters out so um yeah it's <laughs> I like to make you know my most recent one was a um like a sky mermaid who's like this giant eel um named Scaramouche Fandango. <laughs> you have great names for your characters. <laughs> I if I could get a job just coming up with cool names, like I would work till I died and be happy every day of my life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I I think the most the the most fun that I've had playing D&D was that one-off where I played a non-binary barbarian who Violet or Lavender? What was what Violet? Was Violet. Yeah. And they <laughs> they were interested in like you didn't necessarily think that they were barbarian when you met them. They like were sort of trying to do things that were uh more delicate but was very bad at it and just not cut out for it yeah they they just touched everything (laughs) and um it was just so gentle so polite the whole time (laughs) attempting to be gentle Uh, (laughs) and i think it was just it was a character i created in about five minutes Mm -hmm. and i didn't think about it i was just having fun and Mm -hmm. you didn't even have a name like Right, we we had to like give you a name and character, or probably, probably. <laughs> I, I mean, I was only I was there for a short trip, mm-hmm. and that is the way that I want to play D anD D is just like I don't know chaos. Uh, <laughs> Violet was a, a creator of chaos, which I'm noticing is a theme today um, <laughs> of looking. Looking uh, like you're sort of chill and uh, sort of a nice person. And then it is utterly not true. (laughs) Yes. A wildness. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was fun. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering if in your recognition of transness how has that affected your relationship with your body like you were saying that now you're like in therapy you're beginning to sort of work with emotions and and also I think your body but yeah what has that journey been like yeah um It's been uh, the the very slow realization of like it can feel good to exist as yourself, mm. and that's very hard for me. At the root of almost all my problems are in self esteem and just intrinsically believing that I don't have any self-worth and oh my god how frustrating it is to know like oh so this is my problem so this would be solved if I just believed I have self-worth 
so do it. And I'm just like, no. And I'm like, well, logically, like you, you do, and people care about you, and you perform like all this, and it's just like, no. Um, so we're having to attack it, like not not directly, not head on. Um, but yeah, finding things I love about like my physical body and um doing like things that I can actually do that don't get me like in my head all wrapped up in in that whole piece of it mm. have been um a really good grounding point for sure mm. a place to start do you mind if I ask you about your journey with mental health Yeah, it's, um, unfortunately, I kind of got a little fucked up by Christian doctrine, Mm. um, just for me and, yeah, where, how my sort of brain is wired, my predilections, like, being told from as young as I can remember that you are a sinner, you deserve to go to hell just because you exist, and, like, Mm -hmm. the only good that you do is because God is doing work through you, like, doing Mm -hmm. good through you, um, really sort of warped my perception of of who I was, Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, dealing with depression and mostly (laughs) just a very pernicious depression uh later in life um yeah has made things difficult yeah yeah i can tell that it's difficult to talk about (laughs) i'm not really used to diving into it with people um (laughs) yeah i I don't feel uncomfortable or anything i'm just kind of it's a thing i'm out of not really in the practice of, of talking about yeah yeah well the last person that i interviewed for this podcast was also a trans missionary kid hey so um yeah i think um i would certainly while i still identify as a christian my beliefs have really had to change in order to be healthy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I was recognizing. Oh, I... Believing... Believing the um, in the theology that I have been believing is not healthy for me. I am going to... Uh, just going to lead to more damage, you know, um, suicidality. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. 
relapse in my, my sort of recovery, I was realizing how closely connected it all was. And so I've been having to do sort of an overhaul, but it does take a while to change what you actually believe at the core, right? Yeah. That's yes. work in progress. And, and sort of like you were mm-hmm. saying about, um, it's so hard to, to believe that you have worth, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't just happen overnight. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's a process. It's, yeah. It's given me a lot more empathy for like people who believe in conspiracy theories or like anti-vaxxers that sort of thing where this is it's a belief and it's something that you know (laughs) your logic brain doesn't have any sway over um and it's takes a lot of work to to change that it's not just reading one report or you know seeing one one thing that's going to change that yeah i think for me I'm really having to change my belief from believing in a wrathful God and uh, who cannot be around me unless I'm clean. Um, and, and again, like what you were saying about like the only, like you are bad and the only good thing comes from god and i'm like right god created us and said that it was good and like it from from my beliefs god created us and said that we are good and that yes there are uh, are pretty obviously problems Uh, um you know just one or two just one or two and and there's a lot of mess and there's true awfulness and 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 in my belief there is true evil but that doesn't mean that we are totally evil or or in you know total depravity the idea that we there is nothing good about us um i say this with understanding what it feels like but i'm sorry that you grew up with that belief about yourself yeah, it's not something that I realized I <laughs> believed until, yeah, diving into, like, trying to figure out where do all these different, like, what do all these different mental problems and problems I have with myself have in common? Like, where do these all come from? <laughs> mm. Yeah. And I know that your mental health concerns have affected your body quite deeply. Yeah. Um, it's, it sucks because <laughs> self-harm was kind of, uh, it filled a lot of needs um, mm. or it does when I'm, in a really dark place where it's grounding it's something physical um it it's, it's 
sort of you're releasing just this sort of blackness you have in your yourself. Um, and it's hard to find <laughs> something else to, you know, that there's no real one-to-one -one coping strategy I've found that, that takes its place. Um, but um, my most recent uh, episode, um, I, because I have so much more empathy for other people than I do for myself, I tried like a, a thought exercise of just like, this is something I've um, done off and on, but I need to do more regularly is like visualizing sort of the, the me, like the an inner me um, who's like causing these like feelings of depression and despair as like a, a separate being um i call it my my monster um uh but yeah just showing compassion for uh my monster and realizing that um you know it's causing these feelings because it desperately above all else just wants me to be safe and and protected and by doing this like i'm only <laughs> damaging it more um and it's it's not a perfect solution but um yeah i <laughs> i i like the little guy i won't get better <laughs> yeah getting teary over here oh i yeah i i love that you call them your little monster <laughs> it's yeah it's I, I do a lot of visual journaling and so I, i've drawn it a number of times and it's it looks like a monster like it's this big like 10 foot tall beast that's got like a big skeletal deer head and like you know this terrible like tangled mane and like big wounds all over it and everything mm. um but yeah it's mm. it's just a, a a thing inside that's just thrashing and hurting and you know <laughs> it, it needs me to to be there for it oh, so there is a poem I don't know if you've already read it, but it's called um, A Wild God. Ooh, no, I haven't. Or I don't remember the full name, but it essentially talks about, you know, a, a wild God appearing to this person and like messing all these things up and and like the, the writer doesn't want the God to be there. And mm. um, but realizing over time that that like that this wild god is a part of part of them and mm. and it's sort of saying like why why did you like shut me out or like why did you hurt me like i and anyway um i'm i'll yeah. link to it with yeah. this episode it because mm. it's long I, I i'm not gonna just read it right now um i wouldn't do, be mad if you did <laughs> do you want me to read it yes i do okay <laughs> uh, let me find it. Um, I learned about this from a writer's retreat that I went to. Um, okay. The writer's retreat was run by a therapist. My therapist recommended it to me. Okay. It was excellent. Uh, in fact, one of the 
I, I met one of the people I interviewed this for this podcast. Mm. I, uh, that's where I met them. Let's see. Wild God. Uh, sometimes a wild God. That's what it's called. Sometimes. Okay. Okay. So it's long. all right hello there Uh, really sorry to interrupt at this point at this point of the interview I read through the entirety of the poem sometimes a wild god which was beautiful unfortunately that's under copyright however I've put in the notes for this podcast the um, a link to the poem itself and also a link to the audio of the author reading the poem, uh, which I recommend listening to it specifically. Um, So I hope you do that now uh, so that you can understand the response that you're going to hear as soon as I (laughs) finish saying this, uh, that Dre and I give. Um, It was pretty emotional. So uh, without further ado, back to the interview. Oh my god. <laughs> I I need a tattoo of that. I need to play that as a D&D character. I need that to be Oh my god. <laughs> That's incredible. <sighs> you know, I have I have a very visual memory. Like, I remember snapshots. And when I think of Eden, the the snapshot is you and I went to get Thai food. um, And you read, I think it was E.E. Cummings' My Father Mm. poem. My Father Moves Through Dooms of Love. Yes, uh, that's, that's Eden. So this just... This was a transcendent experience for me just now in so many ways. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh. Yeah, I love that poem as well. Uh, that has a very special place in my heart. I memorized it once. Um, yeah, I I love poetry. I love to write poetry. Um but yeah, I think that that sounds an awful lot like your little monster. It, it really does. It just, yeah, it, just the, the feeling of that whole thing, just so like, a, so much crazy, frantic life, but like death and pain at the same time, just all coexisting at once. It just, I, poetry for me is very much like what, what it feels like the sounds of the words and what the sort of like connotation is. So yeah, that just, it felt, I I felt it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't, I've struggled to articulate like what, but yes. (laughs) You know, you and I are both writers, but I know for me, I struggle with words all the time. And Sometimes words just don't encapsulate what we're feeling. Mm. It, um, 
I may have a lot of feelings about Paul in the Bible, but one line of his I really love, and it's uh, talking about the groans, um, like the, the groans of like humanity and mm. that, that we can't, like we don't know how to speak about it. Like we, we just have this. Uh, it's written beautifully. I don't know, remember what it was, but um, yeah. Sometimes the feelings just are, and you can't. All you can make are sounds. Yeah. Yeah, I. There are parts of me that I have very much wanted to kill. Mm. And it, this wasn't verbatim, although actually sometimes this has been verbatim, but in, in therapy, you know, like bringing a part of myself and being like, can we kill it? <laughs> like, uh. like, like, uh, and I, I'm, I'm joking, mm. but sometimes this was quite literal of like, can, can I get rid of this part? Can I kill yeah. this part? Can I cut this mm -hmm. part out? And, and my therapist, being like, no, like, that's a part of you. That's an important mm -hmm. part of you. That part of you has, you know, been necessary or helpful or protective. Mm -hmm. And when I hear you talking about this monster, it makes me think of what I've been learning about addiction, you know, my mm -hmm. sexual addiction and how... It was the best coping mechanism I had at the time. That sort of compulsion. I don't know what else I would have done. Like, given the circumstances, it's kind of what helped me through. And it's not being helpful now. Like, it, it's not a good long-term plan. Mm -hmm. But to respect the part of you that tried to survive just yeah get you get you through that in any way it could i want a picture of your monster <laughs> i my phone is busted but i can i can send you one <laughs> i might put it as the, the episode's artwork oh um, yeah mm. You know, in this poem, he talks about having the monster in his kitchen. Mm -hmm. If you were to put your monster somewhere for your monster to be safe and loved, where do you think you would put them? Oftentimes when I picture him he's in like he's stuck in a bog or he's like sinking down into like mud or something mm -hmm. um and it's just a, a mess to begin with um uh but i picture i imagine like a like a little english country backyard like where there's a a garden and um you know, he's not gonna get tracks all over the, like a, a nice floor because who cares? And, you know, there's, there's rain and birds can, you know, 
take nesting material and stuff and you can just kind of you know stop suffering and struggling and thrashing and just kind of sink into the the, the natural world around him i guess he's literally becoming grounded yes you are so brilliant <laughs> also cut that part out so i'll say it so i sound smart <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I want to I want to draw that now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you know, I think I was sort of imagining uh him as a bog almost like <laughs> um but yeah, I guess what I imagined was was him in this countryside and then uh you know, sort of sinking into the ground sort of like a sunset like mm. um which doesn't have to be the way you were imagining it but i'm just sort of like thinking of that no i like that yeah like the sun sinking like as you sink like you're see- seeing all these majestic ma- like dramatic beautiful colors like as as you're sinking down so yeah there's just like all this new beauty caused by the the monster kind of settling down. Yeah. This is a little different, but I have a similar sort of visualization about it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. So I- I'm interested in top surgery. Um, mm-hmm. That's still undecided, but something I've been interested in for a while. But as I've become more aware of my body and sort of more caring towards my body. I realized that I sort of wanted to know where my breasts would go. And so I imagined them sort of walking about like, I don't know, (laughs) sort of like, like it's raining and then mm-hmm. they're under this must be a really large like mushroom, uh-huh. sort of like a, a sort of fairy tale sort of uh-huh. story. Maybe it's like that poisonous mushroom. Even I don't know. Um, but like they're they're underneath this mushroom and like they have a journey to make. But like they'll 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 meet their their destination. Right now they're in the rain, but like they'll f- sort of flop around, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, lopsidedly, like what's uh-huh. one of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that because so much like the messaging around top surgery is like you know remove these shackles from me, like yeet the teat, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's like I just love that that sort of last gentleness of like. You have your own journey to make, like, part from me now, like, bon voyage. That's, that's really lovely. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I feel like you were going to say something. Oh, yeah, I was, I am also intent on getting top surgery. Um, actually, last month I had my initial, um, appointment with uh, a surgeon um, who actually did 
cloud surgery. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've I've met that surgeon then. <laughs> oh, you, oh yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. She's a she's a superstar. She's lovely. Um, but yeah, I it was hard for me to like accept that I I wanted this because like I don't really experience that intense like gender dysphoria about my breasts um and so it was sort of like ah like they're they're neutral like you know I you know I can just live with them and then kind of realizing oh like neutral pronouns were neutral mm-hmm. but like male pronouns made me happy like I just my body should make me happy and so go ahead with that um i i don't want nipples so i'm not getting like nipple reconstructive mm-hmm. surgery um i'm kind of want to do like tattoos like of different things on my chest um mm-hmm. i might do something <laughs> some sort of homage to the wild god that's mm-hmm. like i said that feels very very ripe for for tattoo fodder there mm-hmm. um but yeah um That'll just be a, a magnificent thing of like people looking at me and being like, okay, like I fit you in one box, but <laughs> there are some questions. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm just imagining like the the last stanza of that poem, mm. like maybe on one side and like, I don't know, maybe like something visual on the other side or, um, but uh, bears and snakes and otters. And snakes and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'm certainly interested in having um, tattoo uh, on my sternum, uh, mm. specifically because I find that area of my body so, so like tender and uncomfortable that I mm. feel like I must get a tattoo there. <laughs> um, <laughs> But that, you know, if I did that, it would be after I would get top surgery, right? Okay, yeah. Mm. So, you know, saying this interesting thing about gender-neutral terms or neutral, male pronouns are make you happy. The way you feel about your breasts is neutral. Having a more sort of masculine chest makes you happy in your body. You want your body to make you happy. I was wondering... Um, so like there, there are things like everyone tends to have a part of their body that they wish were a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wondering, do you distinguish between like, obviously this gendered part of your body and then just another part of your body that if you were to like have created it, it would have been different. Um, sorry, that was a <laughs> kind of messy way of asking that question. Yeah. Um, what could, could you maybe reword that? I um, how do you slash how do you distinguish between going towards gender euphoria? versus um, 
problems with body image or like body dysmorphia? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's a tough question. <laughs> I'm trying to think, yeah. Um Yeah, I'm not not really sure on that one. Or maybe I'm just stuck on how I'm approaching it. Let me try to, to, to bring it in a different way um, and, and say where I'm coming from, which is mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the idea of acceptance and, mm. and loving your body, which is something that we've been talking about is, is caring for yourself and loving yourself, even the part, like your monster part of you, right? Mm-hmm. And the... How to balance out accepting your body, loving your body, being happy mm. with your body. How to balance that with um, deciding to make some changes. Physical that, changes. That are, yeah. um, I, I, I believe, blessed, honestly. Uh, I, I think about this all the time. So, mm. um, yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, I'll be honest, some of it comes from just, um, what's the social norm for trans people, and it's like, oh, like, a lot of trans people get, get top surgery, so that just kind of became a a thing in my head where it's just like, okay, that's something I want to happen where you hear like don't hear as much about like facial reconstructive surgery Mm. and you know bottom surgery isn't you know can be just as gender affirming for people but it's not as I think top surgery is kind of like the face (laughs) muddying the metaphor of (laughs) trans like yeah the the trans um identity but yeah like i've considered like you know testosterone would i want to take testosterone but just uh, the being like sweaty and hairy and um (laughs) (laughs) hungry is just like no that's not really it's not really what i'm i'm really going for here Mm. yeah it kind of stinks that I feel like when I'm thin like almost to the point of being underweight like I have really defined cheekbones that just that that do it for me but Mm. it's (laughs) not healthy to like be you know trying to attain that just for um yeah when I gain weight it's to my my cheeks are the first thing that that gain it Mm. so (laughs) um Mm. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of the the practicality of what I can do that'll that'll make me happy, and does that overcome like other potential downsides? Like with top surgery, it's mostly the price of getting the surgery, but yeah, there are other things that um, 
I lost the train of thought is what mm. I did. <laughs> well, I, what I'm seeing is it, this is a way of you playing with the boxes that are set. Like mm-hmm. there are these certain check boxes for people who are trans and you're sort of going through them and being like, okay, this one, not that one. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of this is pros and cons, right? And right, yeah. I, I think it is has been helpful that I feel like there's less and less of that. Oh, you're trans, therefore you must do all of these things. I think that's becoming right. people are more sort of creative. I think one thing I would have loved would be a beard, mm. but I want like a very very soft like beard. Like, I think, and given, like, the way my dad and my brother grow beards, it's like, that's that's not in the cards for me. <laughs> so, I'm just not, I'm just not willing to, yeah, <laughs> go through all the other things that come with, with testosterone to, to have that. There are, you can buy, like, um, I know at least fake mustaches, but I'm sure fake beards as well, like. Etsy and other places that look rather convincing. So mm. I would, if I got a beard, I'd need to dye it the same as my hair. <laughs> you know, when people use uh, either drawn or like, you know, crafted beards, what I really want is I'm like, just go for it. Go for like wildness. Like, have like mm-hmm. a beard of fish or something like that. <laughs> um, like unless it's it's really convincing, like just like go wild uh, with mm-hmm. it. Um, and anything could be a beard. Yeah, could be a beard. Although, like seeing you with a, a beard that is like you've colored and and things like that, I think would be a lot of fun. I, I also uh, would really love a beard. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if. Uh, there's a lot of things that go with testosterone um, mm-hmm. without necessarily promising you a beard, but that's that's definitely been a desire of mine. And something else that I sort of held on to as you were you were talking about with weight and how you know losing weight would bring you to some of that sort of desired masculinity, sort of masculine look. Mm-hmm. And there certainly is, um, there can be some trouble with eating disorders and transmasculine yeah. people for that reason. Um, and I know, I know for you, it's, at least as far as I know, it doesn't tend to be sort of purposeful. You just lose a lot of weight for a number of reasons. Yeah, like when I'm, stressed out which unfortunately is a lot these days um i definitely lose my appetite um so i just don't eat as much plus i'm vegan so i'm just mm. i don't eat terribly healthy but just vegan food you're not eating dairy and meat which are two of the the biggest kind of calorie sources and standard diet so yeah i'm just not generally getting as many calories anyways but yeah <laughs> need to down some coconut cream 
<laughs> I do love me some coconut cream. <laughs> yeah, because I know I know that's been trouble with both stress and I don't know if it's also been like medications that have affected that. Yeah, definitely. I've been on, I've been on the whole range. I've been on like so many different like um, antidepressants and some of them didn't help my depression and didn't have side effects. And some of them didn't help my depression and had really bad side effects. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, there was, yeah, a time where I was like, yeah, I just completely lost my appetite. And it's like, I was like, I just, my doctor told me to, to wait a month and see if it worked. And I went back in and she's just like, what? No, <laughs> like if you're having this bad of a reaction, please tell me. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, being underweight can be pretty dangerous. <sighs> yeah, it's, we, um, at my job that I was at while this was happening, we did like a, there was a, a biometrics day where you'd like go and like um, get weighed and get your blood drawn and, and do some things. And like, Aww. if you hit like a certain number of um, criteria, like in the good range, you'd get like a discount on your health care for the next year. <laughs> oh, that's so unfortunate. I know. So I was like putting heavy things like in my pockets and like wearing extra shoes and like extra socks to like just make sure that I would like weigh as like uh, an okay healthy weight. <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, God damn. <laughs> that that's awful. That's not good. No. <laughs> I mean, one, that's an awful business practice. And two, yikes that you right. had to put all those things. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, uh, meds meds can affect a lot, and and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not speaking ag- against meds. I I'm certainly have been very much helped, but um, I think we can forget a, a a lot of like pretty a lot of ways that that meds can really affect how our body is working or feeling and weight loss, weight gain. Did did you have like a a long standing tick that remained from one of yours? Um so I was on one SSRI and my doctor kept upping the dosage and I'd be like I don't feel anything so we'd up the dosage and up and up it uh to the point that I developed serotonin syndrome which just means like my brain had so much serotonin in it. I was still depressed as hell. Um, but there was, it was just causing it to, to freak out. And so I was having like these involuntary muscle spasms and yeah, <laughs> ended up, I visited the, um, psychiatrist at, um, Cal, uh, at, I visited the psychiatrist at the, the college we went to and he was like, Oh yeah, that is a very high dosage for for you to be on. Like, let's get you off of that. But yeah, I've just been a little more sensitive to serotonin in the 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 time since then. And like now, when I have, I call them panic attacks, but they're kind of like anxiety attacks. It's very light on the panic like the actual feeling of panic and very heavy on the attack where i'll just i'll get those muscle spasms again and like muscles in my chest will just contract and i'll just go (laughs) Mm. 
but yeah, it's just this weird, yeah, tick that I developed somewhere along the line. <laughs> so it's, that one's still stuck around then? Yeah, yeah, like, it's, if I have, like, acute stress, it'll sometimes just come, come out, yeah, just... And the more it happens, the more self-conscious I am, and that makes it worse, and... Mm. Yeah, but it's... It's. I'm glad it's not like when it was first. It was like my my limbs. So like my arms would like. Sh- I was struggling to take notes in class because my hand mm. kept like twitching and my feet would kick out. And it's a lot more controllable when it's just my my torso that's doing it. So mm. yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that was happening in college. I thought that that this was in adult proper adulthood. Yeah, that's when it it started, and I was. I was so confused. I was like, is this a, is this a panic attack? Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I, rem- I was like sitting in the, the psychiatrist office and like you're sitting up on the counter so or on the, the thing with your legs off the ground mm. and my feet kept like kicking out like involuntarily. Mm. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, oh, how we how, how strange. Like, look at this. And when the, the nurse like. Uh, who had checked me and like left, and the psychiatrist came in. He's like, "Yeah, you you really freaked her out. Like she was worried here." And I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> uh, I'm just noticing that immediate uh, felt need to hide it or like to be embarrassed of your body having problems. <laughs> yeah, it's feels different when I do it intentionally, like mm. you know different things where when it's something that I I can't control that just kind of happens but is very visible to other people yeah I mean there's such a difference between doing yeah doing something where you're in control like uh, experiencing pain but you're in control of the pain or in this you know uh looking Mm. weird or looking sort of funny but like that's what you're going for versus it being something that you are having forcibly put on you right that you can't control it yeah it it takes on a whole different vibe i found most people's reaction like in terms of you know friends co-workers when i have to tell them like hey this is what's going on is just to like ignore it and just like act like it's it's not happening which understandable but weirdly Mm. what my one friend does um because then it just feels like this elephant in the room that we're not talking about my one friend because like you know when i contract it'll like squeeze in on my lungs i'll go and Mm. he'll just like sort of act like i'm you know (laughs) adding to the conversation or i'll be like and he'll be like "Mm, yes dre i agree (laughs) i don't know something about that is just very comforting (laughs) well yeah because he is he's giving it space to be there like he's not trying to um well he's engaging with you right Mm. instead of being like oh well that doesn't exist that never happened i'm too ashamed or like too embarrassed to admit that that occurred there is something kind of endearing yeah (laughs) wondering sort of like with the monster 
is this something that you've engaged with? Like this uncontrollable thing that is now sort of a part of your experience, your physical experience? No, not, not really. I've never considered it in that light before. It's always just kind of been this embarrassing obstacle that I have to mm. sort of get over the way you kind of get over a, a panic attack. Yeah, I'm just, I'm curious now. How how can one reframe something like that? And I, I'm not saying yeah. that to say like, oh, this is a wonderful thing and you should definitely make this all like positive, but I'm curious about what that could be like. Yeah. Are you going to say something? No. (laughs) (coughs) Wanted to make sure. Well, you mentioned a little bit about this earlier, but uh, I thought I would see if you have anything to expand on. But about the your positive sort of interactions with either yourself or with your body um, because it is so easy to get sort of in that place of of thinking about the things that are difficult or the things that are hard mm-hmm. what are some memories or just some things in your life that make you feel a lot of affection for your body or enjoying enjoyment um And if there's not, that's okay. But uh, I believe there is, given the way you've talked about some things. Yeah. I'm appreciating... I'm definitely not in shape. I'm not a person who works out, really. But um, I like that my body just doesn't hold me back from doing the, the physical things that I like to do, whether... Like, I, I I don't get, like, cramped up from laying on the couch playing Animal Crossing for eight hours straight. <laughs> or, like, I've been sitting cross-legged doing this, uh, recording the, the podcast, and mm. it's like, I can just, can just do that or hop up and go, go hike with someone for, for a couple of hours. And I, I just don't want to take the reliability part of, um... Yeah, that part for granted of my body that I can just, yeah, I don't need to worry about if I have a itch on my back, I can always, I can always reach it. And mm. although you asked about specific memories. Um, All of the above are good. Yeah. In college, um, I had long hair. I, yeah, was growing it out since I was little and it was right after getting back from China actually because I was using like the cheapest condition shampoos and conditioners that like the little side quarter store could could sell me so I had these crazy slit ends and everywhere and I decided to cut my hair and I I cut it all or 
went and, and got it cut short and had this like big kind of floppy <sighs> kind of Justin Bieber-esque mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> hair mop. That's what and, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I that was that was really cool. And um <laughs> I remember I went to like great clips and the oh, the stylist like doing the the first cl- uh, like snip and just watching my eyes kind of like naturally like, flare like oh my god and then she's stopping like you okay and I'm like yeah I'm good mm. <laughs> but then like yeah waking up every day and I'd have a different hairstyle just depending on how I slept on my <laughs> hair <laughs> yeah I was just I enjoyed that experience of my hair no longer being a a, a chore and a thing I had to, you know, worry about and deal with. And like, I just, oh, look at this fun thing. And who knows what it's going to look like tomorrow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you said that you'd been growing it since you were quite young. Yeah. I mean, we'd get it trimmed from time to time, but like, living as missionary kids out kind of in the middle of the the bush, like kind of was mom on the back porch giving you a a, a trim. So we wasn't going crazy fast, but yeah, by the, at the its longest, it was kind of down to like waste on me. Mm. So yeah, it was quite a bit of hair. And now I'm... <laughs> I kept growing the, uh, kept shaving the the sides shorter and growing the the middle longer. So now I've got a big old, big old middle flop that's down a little past my shoulder now. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's a lot more manageable because I've got only this kind of middle strip. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've stolen a little bit of that from you. Mine mine is not very long, but like the, the sides are now shorter mm-hmm. um you know when you were saying that i'm like forgive the therapist in me but like the uh like you were literally shedding your childhood <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i had short hair for um some time as a kid too but it definitely it looked completely different Mm-hmm. Oh man, <laughs> I I realized I because I have this very like image focused memory. I really struggle to remember like what I was feeling like mm. when I was like in these moments. Like I'll have this strong like memory of like what was exactly like what things looked like and what mm-hmm. was going on, but I'll forget like what you know. How did I like? am I thinking of what I felt or am I now reacting to what I'm thinking about? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, just thinking back on, on kidney, it's kind of clear and hazy all at once. Mm. I mean, memory's kind of funny like that. Right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, well, we're sort of nearing end of time and I always like to ask people if um, if there's anything else that you want to share or to say before we end 
you know, leading up to this, I had all these, like, dozens of, like, little thoughts. It was like, oh, I could talk about this. I could mention this and talk about that. And I, I of course, didn't write anything down because <laughs> that would be a smart idea. But it's really pretty impressive how we've kind of hit on everything I can think of. Mm. And, like, <laughs> you haven't been taking notes this whole time, but just keep looping back to – or have you? <gasps> okay, I haven't been taking notes. But I did have, like, things, like, ideas that I always write beforehand. I don't tend to look at it very much. But, you know, I did have, like, MK, like, Mm. you know, gender, sexuality. We didn't actually really get into that one. But, like, uh, D&D, mental health. Mm -hmm. Like, I had these sort of things written down of, like, well, I know these things about Dre. But, yeah, I I do like to sort of... um, find the patterns or like find things it's fun for me i have to say you're very good at it and very keen and like oh, you said this thing like a little bit ago let's loop back to that so um yeah i don't want to blow out the mic but like golf claps for you <laughs> you are very talented oh well thank you uh eden brushes um but i yeah, I'm glad that we hit most of your points. Mm-hmm. I thank you so much for coming in the last minute. Again, this is the, the second interview in a row where I had to reschedule someone. And so you just said, oh, yeah, like I can do that in three days. Um, so yeah. thank you. I've been sort of meaning to to schedule doing this with you for a while. And it's been... It's been beautiful, and the poem was entirely a surprise. I didn't know that was... I love it. I mean, I didn't know any of it was really Mm going to come up. But um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. forgot my questions questions I say I I understand you're so nervous around me it's like oh I got got Trey on (laughs) yeah you know I'm a real hard ass (laughs) (laughs) 